This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Ozil is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott. What a goal. It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. I'm Russell Hargreaves welcoming you to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday the 12th of September. Coming up in the show we hear from the Gunners new signing Squadron Mustafi while Gunners great Charlie Nicholas joins us as our Arsenal insider. Our resident tactical analyst Adrian Clark is back on the chalkboard but as ever we kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal played host to Southampton on Saturday, handing debuts to new signings Lucas Perez and to Mustafi, looking to make it back-to-back Premier League wins either side of the international break. Things, though, did not go according to plan early on, with Peter Cech desperately unlucky to be credited with an own goal 18 minutes into the game. He's going to take this one on, I wonder. I'll be amazed not Tadic with his left foot from here. And will Van Dijk over the ball. Be surprised if it's the big centre-half, because it's so close to the 18-yard box. Might be a blaster from Van Dijk. Tadic, who mm-hmm. scored a penalty against Ireland in the World Cup qualifiers in midweek. Who's it going to be? It is going to be Tadic. Oh, delightfully done, and he's gone in. Well, it's hit the crossbar. I think it's hit Petr Cech's back, and then it's rolled over the line. Now, whether Cech got the final touch before crossing, I don't know, but the net result is that Southampton lead. Arsenal hit back some 11 minutes later, though, courtesy of a skillful and acrobatic strike from Laurent Koscielny. So Arsenal have a corner, suddenly a little bit more pace about the attack and a bit more intensity from the Gunners. Once again, Sadi Gazzola from the far side. And it comes, fair delivery. Towards that six-yard box, he's cleared away and then he's found into the back of the net. The overhead kick here from Ron Koscielny. Brilliant technique. It must have come to him rather late. Fonty's actually furious with the officials. But they've given the goal. Arsenal are back level. The showdown at Emirates Stadium appeared to be heading for stalemate until the fourth minute of injury time when sub Olivier Giroud was adjudged to have been fouled in the penalty area and upstepped Santi Cathola to fire home the winning spot kick. Here is Hector Bayerdi. Still Arsenal looking to get this winning goal. It's towards Giroud. Was he brought down inside the box? He was, was he? Was the referee giving him? 
Well, Southampton cannot quite believe it, but Arsenal have got a penalty in added on time here. How about this for drama? Saints players are absolutely furious. They can't quite believe it. All down to the Spaniard. Can Arsenal claim the three points against Southampton and come from a goal down to win it? It's Santi Cazorla. He can! <laughs> Santi Cazorla strikes for Arsenal in added on time from 12 yards. The penalty awarded as Giroud has been brought down by Fonta. Tug of the shirt, Bobby Madley pointed to the spot. He took an age for the penalty to be taken, but he rammed it home and Arsenal surely have the points. Well, speaking post-match, the Spanish maestro discussed his penalty technique. It was difficult, no, but I tried to feel, uh, keep calm because uh, I remember against West Bromwich was the same, and the same, uh, the same before because uh, the defender was touch on the floor every time. But I, I think uh, I wanted to shoot at the middle uh, and uh, score. It's uh, the most important thing because uh, for uh, the team was uh, three points very important. Are you going to keep going down the middle with your penalties from now on? I don't know. Maybe I have to change because the keeper maybe stay in the middle now. <laughs> the boss, meanwhile, was full of praise for goal scorer Koscielny and for the returning Francis Coquelin. Though what I, uh, it was his birthday today, and uh, what I like uh, as well, he made that with one nil down. Not when you have scored three or four already, you know, and that uh, shows that he's a special character. He had a great second half, Francis, today, and. Uh, I think he, we suffered a little bit in the first half. Uh, we adjusted our position in the second half and it was much better. And uh, uh, from then on, Francis became stronger and stronger. So a haul of six points from a possible six, just what Arsenal needed ahead of their showdown in Europe against Paris Saint-Germain with the return of the Champions League this midweek. We'll talk about that with our Arsenal insider next. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Charlie Nicholas played 184 times for Arsenal, scoring 54 goals between the years 1983 and 1988. And I'm delighted to say that Charlie joins us on the line now on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Great to have you on, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. It's a good, good weekend for me with the, the Gunners getting a late winner and Celtic beating Rangers in Glasgow's derby. So, yeah. In a good weekend. <laughs> you, of course, signed from Celtic as a 21-year-old, didn't you? And then went back there for another really successful spell later in your career. So between those two clubs, a bit of Aberdeen, a bit of Clyde, I think, in there as well. I think I'm right in saying quite a quite a mixture. Yeah, there was, actually. I, I was a Celtic uh, supporter as a kid. Uh, played from a boyhood team. And then, obviously, got sold on to Arsenal in 83. Uh, well, there was a lot of commotion about who I would go to. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised to join the, the Gunners. And, uh, you know, success-wise and potential-wise, I didn't fulfil it. But uh, in overall terms, you know, I've got a great link in my heart with Arsenal. I'm a very, very strong supporter of them. And they uh, found that even the move to, to the Emirates now, it's always something that's, that's, that's kept me tight with it. And, uh, you know, I feel as passionate... In fact, I probably feel more passionate towards Arsenal than I've ever done in the last five, six years. I don't know why. It just grew in me year after year after year. I don't know. It might be the style of play that Arsenal Wenger brought. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a hard afternoon for all us Arsenal fans when we, don't, when we don't win. So it was a pleasing weekend. How different a place was it, not just in terms of obviously the stadium, but maybe the, the feel of the club, the style of the club, obviously the mm -hmm. game as a whole, when you go back to 83 to, to maybe those five or six years more recently that you've just mentioned? Yeah. It was difficult for me, actually, because I, I, 
It's Celtic have played in Europe. Uh, you, uh, we won, won the league two out of three years. That I was really in the team. Otherwise, I was out with a broken leg. So I was just to European Cup. I was just to Europe. When I came to Arsenal, we were a club uh, kind of rebuilding again. But Terry Neal was a manager, but Don Howe was the, the kind of the, 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 the gaffer, really. And, and Don emphasised a lot. He used to have this great saying, which was the Arsenal. And at that time, we were trying to buy back Liam Brady. We were trying to get people like Ray Wilkins from Chelsea. So as soon as there was a club in the up again, and of course, I knew the history of Arsenal. I knew what Highbury was all about. I'd actually been there uh, for Sammy Nelson's testimonial. Uh, so I'd, I had a strong feeling about Arsenal when I met them, and I just felt it was right. But I have to I have to be honest when when I first went there, first year especially, it was really tough because it was quite a defensive style, and I found that really difficult to accommodate. But you know, you can only do what's in front of you. You can only try your best. And also, it improves you and enhances you as a player, doesn't it? Sometimes the tougher times, but just broadening your style and your understanding of the game, I'm sure that must have stood you in good stead for your later years at Arsenal and oh, beyond yeah. too. No, it, it definitely did. I, I learned a great deal. You know, success was hard to come by. I mean, Liverpool were one of the teams in for me, and they were masters of, of, their, of their, their, their ability at that time. They, they were winning everything and in Europe. And it was difficult sometimes to look at them thinking maybe that was the style that suited me, but, you know, I'd, you know, I'd, I, I didn't always, uh, as I say, build the potential at times. I mean, I loved the derbies. I used to have a great time in the derbies, but I reckon the derbies was quite good, which I think <laughs> helped and strengthened my relationship with the supporters. But this is the one thing I always say about people. I'll never have a bad word to say about Arsenal as a football club, the way they looked after me and my family. But I think ultimately it was always the, the relationship between me and the majority of the fans which kept me going, which gave me heart, which probably still makes me such a fervently strong Arsenal supporter these days because it could have been easy for them to give me a hard time when there was a little bit of misbehaviour in here and there and form wasn't great in those days. Uh, but they, they, they stood by me the majority and I'll be ever, for great, ever so grateful for that. And one of the opportunities you had to repay then was, of course, 1987, the uh, Littlewoods Cup final as it was then, Charlie. And finally, silverware after eight years for the fans. Um, what do you remember of, of winning that game against Liverpool, the final? Well, I think it was just my lucky day. I think I was due a, a, a little bit of luck somewhere along the line. You know, I'd slashed my kneecap uh, earlier that season when George Graham came in at uh, Notts Forest. And I'd... I'd got 40-odd stitches in, inside my knee and outside my kneecap. Uh, and I, I didn't think I was going to make it. I was touch and go until about two weeks before. And then gradually George put me back in the team. But the day itself, the build-up to the, the game was extraordinary. I'd been to Wembley with the international team at, at Scotland v England. But when going through the red and white of, of the Arsenal fans, of course, I know Liverpool were mainly red and white too, but it was, it was quite dramatically different. Uh, and in all honesty, it, it, it was a good game for me. I know Ian Rush scored first, and the record always stood that every time he scored first, Liverpool won, and we broke that. But I mean, I look back at the two goals. I was very, very fortunate the two goals, especially the winner. The winners. I've tried to play some one corners deflected off Ronnie Whelan's heel and spun into the other one. But hey, I'll take. I always remember Bob Wilson behind the goal, and I think he was working for ITV at the time. He was sitting on a little bench behind the goal 
and he jumped up as high as any Arsenal fan I've ever I've ever witnessed, and that <laughs> that stays in my memory. That stays in my memory very fondly. But the ultimate thing that stands way out, never mind the medal, was going back into uh, Islington and being in front of the the fans on on parade day. That that was something we were never allowed in Glasgow. And that day, oh, I could not believe what was it must, must have been something like two hundred thousand people there. That's the most extraordinary feeling I've ever, ever witnessed. Wow, brilliant story. No, that's really, really good to hear. So, a glittering playing career in your five years, as you say. And let's now fast forward, if we can, Charlie, to, to the current day. Obviously, you work very heavily in the media uh, and you're well aware of the, the three key players, hopefully, that Arsenal have brought in in this transfer window. Granit Xhaka, early on, and then post the Euros, Lucas Perez and, and Skodra Mustafi, who we're featuring on the podcast this week and hearing from a bit later. Um, do you feel that these are all, hopefully, important and, and worthy additions? Oh, no, absolutely. You know, I think for a, a good number of years, we've all, as Arsenal fans, this is no, no real uh, pop at Arsene Wenger. I mean, the man's a genius. But I think we've always wanted to really fulfil these positions and say, look, I think Rob Holding, young Rob Holding, also will be a, a fabulous player in the future, but he has to learn his trade first. And he will do, but these additions make you more competitive and Arsenal, because of the way they play and because we're always in the Champions League and because we're always demanding that we want to win the title again, these are all part of the demands of a great club. And that's exactly what this club is. But these additions, I think Perez will adapt to the pace of the game because when you play with Ozo Sanchez, these type of players, you will adapt quickly. With Staffy, I think will take just a little bit of time to really understand the physicality and the pace of the, the English Premier League. Uh, but it, it, it gradually got into the game, as you could see, on Saturday, and it got better and better as it went on. Hey, Xhaka, I'm a massive fan of. I, I do think this... I, I love the balance of a left foot in the midfield. He's got short-range passing, he's got long-range passing. You'll need to be a little bit careful when he's disciplined because you can't get sucked in in this game. But that, these three additions with holding also... What you've got now is you've got a really competitive edge. When we get Gabriel back and we get Mertesacker back, I mean, you've got all these guys starting to come back. Bill Beck's long, slightly long-term. We have such an abundance of talent within this group. But because we've got so many injuries the last couple of seasons, you need this freshness and competitive edge. And that's what can drive us forward. That We can chop and change the team a little bit. But when it's good, it can be explosive. Manchester City have had three really good 45 minutes this season. The only one other outstanding performance from any other team was, I think, was us, Arsenal, at Watford just the other week. The first 45 minutes was as good as any team has played, including Man City this season. So that, that's, how no, that's how good we know we can be. And I think with these additions, I think it will get even better as we get into the next three or four weeks. So, Charlie, let's just finish by looking ahead a little bit to the Paris Saint-Germain match in midweek. And you mentioned the Watford victory, the Southampton win that we've reviewed on the podcast already as well, to have six points from six coming into a huge, huge Champions League opportunity and such a tough place to go as ever, isn't it, the uh, Parc des Princes in Paris? Oh, no, it's, it, look, it's a difficult game, you know that. But they're not as good as what they were last season. Uh, you know, they, they, they will be strong. We know they're good on the ball, but so are we. Uh, it always agitates, I think, not just me, but others, that we can sometimes start quite slowly in the Champions League. Uh, 
or we wander a little bit in the middle once we've done the hard work. This is an opportunity. I think we can go there and win. I mean, I'd be fairly content with a draw. I'll be working on the game, uh, so I'm fortunate to be doing that. But I really do think we've got a great opportunity because I think with the lads, Sanchez getting arrested the weekend, I think Giroud on the edge of coming back, Walcott's pace, Ozil. These, these are the type of situations that these big-time players will go on and enjoy playing PSG. They'll enjoy taking them on away from home counter-attack. So I'm very hopeful for this. This Champions League, I think it's a very good group for us. Not too much travelling involved. I think teams that we can beat, and I include this Tuesday night game, it's a tough fixture to start with. As I say, I would be content with a draw, but I certainly believe we can go and win, and I certainly believe we can top this group. So, at the moment, I know we're, I know we're not playing spectacular, and we kind of stumbled over a line against Southampton, but these stumbling over the lines are ones that build great momentum and great togetherness. And I think I'm quite comfortable about this Tuesday. I certainly think we'll get something from the match. And just while we're on it to conclude, Charlie, obviously, as you've alluded to, not the best start by their own lofty standards in league on this time. Still there or thereabouts, but not getting those consistent big wins week in, week out so far. Uh, and no Slatan Ibrahimovic. He's moved on. New players have filled the void. Others are stepping up. But they're a little bit of a work in progress, aren't they, compared to at their very, very peak, potentially. And, and hopefully Arsenal can exploit that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big follower of all European uh, setups, especially the big teams, because uh, in the job you've got to be. But, yeah, no, I've been watching them since the start. I've, I've been interested in who they've been taking on. And their new players have not quite settled into it. The defence is new. Uh, this is where I think you can get at them a little bit. Uh, but uh, it still falls back into the, ter- the territory of what Arsenal are going to play like. And I really do. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think that they're big players. Look upon them as saying, we'll potentially use our challengers for the Champions League. Arsenal might be, I don't know, you know, eight favourites to win it, and PSG are probably above us. 
but there's not much between these two teams. And I think our players might like that. I think they might like the challenge to say, we could beat you home and away. And we will be making a statement to say, Arsenal's going to get stronger and better as the campaign goes on. And it'd be nice to really have a, a good, solid run rather than stuttering through the group again. So, as I say, I'm, I'm pretty confident this PSG team will, will test us on pace. And technically, they're very good. But so are we. So... You know, it's a counter-attack system. I certainly expect Arsenal to score. And I think if we score, we'll probably get something from the game. And it's Charlie Nicholas joining us here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. And, mate, really appreciate it. And brilliant to get your insight and all of your thoughts. Thank you very much. Always good to speak to the Gunners. And it's Adams put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. Oh, it's up for grabs now! On the 12th of September 1998, Freddie Lundberg signed for the club from Halmstad. The Swedish international midfielder soon established himself as a firm fan favourite at Highbury. Here he is talking about that transfer. We've been saying no to quite a few clubs for quite a while. And, but then I played, I think, in the national team against, um, against England, I think it was. And the week after that, a lot of bids were coming in and we made a decision. I was seeing three clubs in three days to see them facilities and all that. I went first to Arsenal and um, yeah, I liked Arsene and I signed. But we had a similar club as Arsenal booked in the next day, the next day again, but I didn't go and see them. So you didn't even, you cancelled the other meetings and said Arsenal's the one for me after? Yeah, because me and Arsene sat down for an hour and spoke about football and for me that was the most important thing, they had the same vision as, as a manager, as I see that's quite important as a player and uh, I signed. Lundberg went on to score a number of brilliant and crucial goals in Arsenal colours, including this one in the 2002 FA Cup final against Chelsea. Arsenal know uh, what can happen if you don't get a second goal. Remember last year, Youngberg, he's got the better of Terry. Freddie Youngberg! Arsenal have produced two absolute stunners. Freddie went on to play 328 times for the Arsenal, scoring 72 goals and, of course, was an integral part of the Invincibles team. As we well know, Squadron Mustafi signed from Valencia before transfer deadline day. Here is the £35 million German international defender's first interview with Arsenal media's Nick Brumsack. Of course, you know a few of your new teammates very well indeed. Uh, what can you tell us about your relationship to Perham, is it? Well, yeah, they're two different different kind of people, but at the same time, they're both, yeah, quite funny. I think uh, I spend more time with Mesut now than I spent with, with Per, uh, because I just joined the national team just before the World Cup 2014, so uh, just after the World Cup, Per left. Um, yeah, but I, I had some funny moments with both of them and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that they are here so they can, they can help me as well to, to get closer to the team. Because we hear that Meza actually spoke to you before you agreed to join the club. What did he say? Yeah, well, we, we had the European Championship now, so we had time to speak and um, yeah, he just told me about, about the club, he told me about the team and... Um, yeah, the things that he told me made me made me come here like made me come here because um, I noticed that 
it is a club where I can where I can uh, de develop, where I can grow as a player. Yeah, he, he said that he's happy here, that uh, the people are crazy for football, that uh, the team is um, yeah a team that enjoys playing football the the way that the way that he does, the way that I do. Um, of course, when you joined the German national team, Pear was one of the most experienced players there. What did he bring to the squad, particularly during the World Cup? He helped me a lot, you know, because when I just came, having having a person um, in the club with such a, with such a experience and with this with the personality he has, um, helped me a lot because he helped me as well on the pitch. You know, when he when he sees things that um, he, he corrected me. A few times, but he he is not a kind of player that just tells you, "Oh, you didn't do that good enough," or "You have to do it this way." He tells you why, and and I think in the in the short time that I worked with him together in the national team, I learned a lot from him. Plenty of fans on social media have been talking about your dance with Pear after you won the World Cup. What do you remember from that? Yeah, obviously after you win a World Cup, you yeah you lose control about everything and you just enjoy enjoy the moment. And that's what we did there. As I said before, uh, Per is a funny guy, and so am I. I, I. I like to. I like to enjoy myself. I like to enjoy the moments when you when you win games or when you win a World Cup. Um, so yeah, and in this moment, we just we were both funny, uh, happy, and dancing around. So which one of you is a better dancer then? Well, I leave that to the fans. To the they can they can judge us. Maybe they can. They can tell us what, what they think. Um, you only made your Germany debut about a month before the World Cup actually started and then two months later you played three times in the tournament and won the biggest prize in football. Um, how can you sum that up, particularly when you're aged only 22? Well, for me it was, it was the same, you know. Um, I played a game just before the World Cup, then um, I was on the, on, on, the, on the squad, then I didn't. Um, uh, I was not. I was on the last 27th, but I, I didn't went to the last 23. And then Marco Reus got injured. Uh, I got a I got a call to join the the team again. So I went to I went to Brazil. And then, you know, when you think that uh, you haven't been in the 20 23 players the first time, you think, okay, I go there now, but my chances to play are not going to be that big. But then straight in the first game, you suddenly have to go out on the pitch and then the second game you play again and then you play again and again and then you win and, and you become World Cup. For me it was something that took me a long time to, to realize what, what happened. You know? The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, our resident tactical analyst Adrian Clark joins us on the Chalkboard as ever. Clarky, how's it going? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, all good. We start with our weekly question on the Chalkboard. After Koscielny's spectacular bicycle kick at the weekend, Adrian, what is your best or favourite goal scored from an Arsenal centre-half? <laughs> oh, that's, uh. that, is, that is a really good question. Um, there have been some good ones, haven't there? Um, I can't remember a bicycle kick, I've got to admit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, the, the most iconic is definitely the Tony Adams one, um, where the other centre-half chips him in, doesn't he? Uh, 1v1, and he drilled it, didn't he, against Everton uh, to win the Premier League for Arsenal. I think that was in 1998. Um, I, 
I, does it get any better than an FA Cup winning goal? Um, I was there. I was part of the the staff then. I was a youth team player. Um, we were regulars to Wembley Stadium that year. I'm talking about 1993. Up went Andy Linegan. I mean, great lad. A real laugh um, and, and a proper old school centre-half. Bang, from a corner, stuck his head on it, uh, Arsenal win the FA Cup. So th that's got to be my favourite. Got to be right up there, hasn't <laughs> it? Happy memories indeed for young Clarkie watching on from the <laughs> sidelines. Love it. Uh, now, coming up this weekend, big game, Hull City. Mm. Six points from six in the bag for Arsenal either side of the international mm. break. And uh, key to continue that momentum, obviously. Definitely, yeah. Now, things are looking up. I don't think it was a brilliant performance um, this weekend. Just passed, but... Winning is a good habit to, to get into. This is a tough game. Arsenal would ordinarily go to Hull as, as overwhelming favourites, and they probably will with the bookmakers. But if you actually study and analyse Hull's displays across the first four games, they look a top side. Uh, uh, but they're unlikely to be top half. They're, they're more than likely to be involved in a relegation battle. But right now, under Mick Phelan, they look a proper team. And... Um, this is going to be a tough game and Arsenal will need to bring their A game or, or certainly not much below that to get the three points. And you look at what a job he's done as still technically the interim head coach mm. and with, what, I think eight players from first team proper potential at one point during the off-season. Began the season with 12. Yes, they've added a few to it, but it's been pretty scant and slim pickings, hasn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous, really, the situation at Hull City. feel really sorry for him. Why hasn't he been given the job? I mean, that first and foremost, that's, that's a bit outrageous. I suppose the ownership book. issues have got something to do no with that. No one knows who the owner is. Um, uh, the, well, they do know who the owner is. He wants to sell, but the deal has collapsed, so, so everybody's still in limbo. So off the pitch, Hull are in a mess, but in the confines of that dressing room, Phelan has galvanised the team. He's got them pulling together, and sometimes, and, and this... Honestly, this is really uh, an underestimated part of football. Sometimes when you've got a small squad, it really helps because you haven't got disillusioned players. Um, everybody feels like they're involved, they've got a part to play. And, and it's lifted Hull City. I, I think in, in a funny kind of way, um, this has benefited them, the fact that they've got so few players to choose from and, and everybody is, is pulling for each other. It's, it's great to watch. Very decent points return, just two less than Arsenal of seven points already, Clarkie. And a player for me who's been very important after his big injury problems has been Robert Snodgrass, a hat-trick for Scotland against Malta, uh, and then obviously a beautiful free kick to equalise and get them a point at the weekend. Yeah, he's been the star of the show, Robert Snodgrass, really good player. I've always admired him, actually. I always thought he was a decent player. Got a lovely left foot. So uh, we saw him score a free kick um, at the weekend against Burnley, an absolute belter in the last last kick of the game, practically. But yeah, he he will be a real danger cutting in from that left hand side. Um, Diamande uh, is not a name that we're that familiar with, but he's lively, unpredictable, uh, and Abel Hernandez um, up top is, is is looking nice and sharp. So. They have goal threats. I mean, it's not just about keeping things solid at the back and, and uh, soaking up pressure. They've got players that can hurt you, and that's you know something we need to be aware of. And at the back, I'm sure this could feature as one of the other key head-to-heads. Is yeah. Curtis Davis? He's been brilliant. I think he has been the best centre half in the Premier League so far. I, he hasn't had a bad game yet. He's been phenomenal, really. When you consider he's playing alongside Jake Livermore, who's a centre midfielder. 
the amount of pressure he has soaked up and the leadership qualities he's shown has been outstanding. I actually was surprised he wasn't in the England squad based on current form. Um, so, so yeah, whoever plays up top for us, we don't know who will lead the line in this one. They'll be in for a battle because Curtis Davis will not give you an inch. They defend quite deep, Hull City, even on home turf. I don't imagine they'll leave much space in behind. So... But, but what's happened so far is teams have, have flung a load of balls into the box, but it's been a, like a magnet to Curtis Davis. Um, he's stuck his head or his boot on everything. Arsenal, to get the better of him, need to be a bit cute to show touch more movement in and around the box. So does he feature in your head-to-head -head for this No, one you've pre-empted it with Snodgrass because he, he is the, the main man for Hull City right now. Uh, and Nacho Monreal um, is up and down, I think, at the moment in terms of his form in, in, in every game. He is showing some really good pieces of play, but also the odd vulnerability too. So that, for me, is the key head-to-head. -head. Monreal, can he shackle Robert Snodgrass? Going to have to watch him when he cuts inside on his left foot. I think Nacho can do a job on him, but um, he's someone we need to take care of. So a tough away test at the KC Stadium. And, Clarky, simple question to conclude this segment. Uh, how do you beat Hull? Yeah, how, well, it's not easy at the moment, that's for sure. If I'm looking for a vulnerability, I still think it's in central midfield, whether you've got Huddlestone, Mailer, Mason might come in. So I'm looking at that unit, I'm thinking that is not the most mobile central midfield unit I've ever seen. It's all about pass and move, creating space in the engine room. If we can get at the back four from that position, we can really hurt Hull. So it's a, ba it's a battle of the engine room, we can win it. Clarky, hang on. Entering the Arsenal Weekly Podcast studio. It's our producer. It's Liam Roberts. <laughs> no need to laugh, Clarky. Shirt's not that bad. <laughs> it's almost the same as Clarky's, so I don't know why he's laughing at that. Yeah, I think we're both struggling shirt-wise today. Yeah. Yeah, apologies, Liam. I'm very much the odd one out without any spots, stripes, checks. <laughs> We've got to class this place up a bit when you're, when you're in here. So, <laughs> so it's got to be quick, because Clarky's needed for breakdown duty. I will tell you the results first. So last week we asked Hector Bella in total passes. I think Clarky already knows the result. Once again, neither of you got it right. You said 67, I believe. Sounds about right. Uh, Clark has said 66. Yeah I, yeah, I went too cautious. I thought Southampton would have more of the ball than they did. Yeah, so, they yeah, chased the game. Right. Arsenal chasing the game towards the end. Bellerin got a lot of the ball, 77 touches. Ruined it 10 out. So the point goes to uh, Russell Hargreaves. Get in. So that's, that. that's a 2-1 lead now for Russell. This week, we're going to go back to the team total. Offside decisions. We think Hull might play a high line, maybe. I don't Adrian, think so. no. Okay, so. Well, well, let, well let, Russ, you go first this week because uh, I, I, I teed well, you up I last time. Tactically, just went one less. Yeah, than and you, and you watch, watch what I do today. Oh, <laughs> how many offsides against a team who may or may not play a high line? <laughs> Brilliant. I will say twelve. 12, that's high, is that high? I think that might be high. That's an, outrage. it's an outrageous um, guess. Um, I, I, I genuinely think there could be like three, um, but I'm not going to say three, just, just, just for, for, for... No, actually, I'm going to be massively confident here. So confident. I'm, I'm not going to say 11, I'm going to say what I believe, and that is four. Okay. I'm going to play honestly. I think Russell might be wanting to make this like a close competitional season because that seems a ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous guess. I am just giving Adrian a bit of charity. That's what it. Can I say? He right. wants that it to. Or he wants it to be title too. season. Okay, so I will be back next week with the results. Liam, Play thank on. you very much indeed. Clarky, superb work as ever. And of course, Adrian will be in the host chair from 2.30pm on Saturday alongside Nigel Winterburn. That's for the Match Day Show, live on Arsenal.com and on the Arsenal mobile app.
So that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Skodram the Starfy, to Charlie Nicholas, and of course to Adrian Clark. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, leaving us a five star review in the process. Clearly, you can also find us on Acast so that you never miss another episode. We're back with the Arsenal Weekly podcast on Monday, the 19th of September. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gutters. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.